welcome to The Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. On our podcast today, we are going to talk about the threshing floor. I love the spiritual significance, the prophetic significance of the threshing floor. One of the most famous places in your Bible associated with a threshing floor would be that of Ruth and Boaz. I love the story of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth being the Moabitess and Boaz being the kinsman redeemer. And we know that they become betrothed or she gives him the signal that she will marry him at the threshing floor. Now, let me explain the historic significance of a threshing floor. In an agrarian society where farming was a way of life, you would take in your corn or your wheat and you would bring in the harvest and there would be a big celebration. It would take everyone working and they would have a big celebration and then they would begin to process the corn or the wheat on the threshing floor. And this was essential. In fact, your biblical feast days are centered around different harvest or planting cycles. And let me just take a sidebar and talk about the significance of the feast days. And we've covered this before, but I'll just touch on it quickly. The Hebrew word in your King James Bible for feast actually is the word Moed, M-O-E-D, and it means a feast, a festival, or a memorial, and it can even mean a dress rehearsal. So it wasn't just about a meal, but rather, as Dr. Billy Brown says, a circle date on God's calendar. These were important times that God wanted to meet with his people, and they have such powerful prophetic significance. So at these certain times of harvest, you would bring in the the bounty to the threshing floor so that it could be processed. And that way, the corn or the wheat or whatever you had grown can then function in its purpose. So let's go back to the significance of the threshing floor. If we look up the word for threshing floor in Strong's Concordance, it is H1637. And it's the word Goren, and it means a smooth, level place. Let me talk about that significance. Typically, a threshing floor would be on the top of a mountain or a large hill. They would take a round, maybe 10 by 10 foot section. Some are smaller, some are larger, but that would be the general size, about the size of someone's back patio, but round. And it would be smooth and level which was very important. In fact, they would either compact the ground or they would lay stones and get it very smooth and level. Now, the reason you would do this is because there didn't need to be any uh, cracks or dips in the ground. And the reason why is they would also take a stake in the middle and then they would tie a rope and they would have oxen, usually two to four oxen. Behind the oxen would be a large stone that the ox would pull in that circle around the threshing floor. So you would take the wheat that you had cut down from the stalk and you would lay it on the threshing floor and then the oxen 
would walk in a circle, dragging the stone behind them, and that stone would then produce friction and pressure, and that would separate the wheat and the chaff. Now, I want to take us to a deeper level of understanding. We understand that the analogy of the threshing floor is like that of our heart. Our heart is a threshing floor. That's our prayer. You know, the whole message of Paul was to die to self. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. You know, it, it, the, the whole message, one of the messages of discipleship is dying to ourself. In Galatians 5.24, it says we should crucify our sinful nature, uh, living a sacrificed life, meaning dying to our flesh and our carnal desires is the goal of growing and being discipled in the Lord. And so it's so important. And so the threshing floor is that place of separating the wheat and the chaff. The wheat, I believe, is representative of our of our spirit man, and the chaff is like that of our flesh. And there needs to be a separation of the wheat and the chaff, that sinful nature, so that the Lord can really use us and allow us to function in our purpose. Okay, so that when the oxen would pull that stone across the wheat that was on the threshing floor, the purpose was not to destroy the wheat, but to purify it. Let me say that one more time. The purpose of the threshing floor is not to destroy the wheat, but rather to purify the wheat. And the first step was the stone that was passing over that wheat on the threshing floor. And I believe that's representative of the work of Jesus in our life. In fact, let me give us a scripture for that. It's Matthew 21, 42. Jesus uh, says, have you, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? That's speaking of Jesus. And so I believe that's representative of that stone, that first level of what happens on the threshing floor. And so I say, uh, you know, Jesus also is representative of the Word of God. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus and the Word are one and the same. So the Word, the Word is like that stone that the ox pull on the threshing floor that separates that wheat and chaff. So if you want to die to self, the first step is the Word of God. Let the work of Jesus work in your life to begin to separate those things out in order that you may be purified. You know, we talk about uh, sanctification and we throw that word around sometimes and we don't really know what it means. And we think it means that we have a lot of rules to follow. But I'm here to tell you that's a condition of your heart. And so the first step is to allow the word of Jesus to begin to purify you, just like the wheat on the threshing floor that separates off that chaff. So then there was a second step. The, ste the second step is they would take the wheat and the chaff 
that had been separated and, and it was laying on the threshing floor. And then they would take either a winnowing fork or a large scoop of some kind and they would scoop it up. And remember, they're on top of a high mountain and they would shake and throw the wheat and chaff up into the air and then the wind would come and it would separate the wheat and the chaff. The chaff would blow away and the wheat, which was heavier, would remain. And I believe that is representative of the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the word in Hebrew for Holy Spirit is ruach, R-U-A-C-H, ruach. And it means wind or breath. And so I believe the next step to be purified, to be sanctified, just like the wheat on the threshing floor, is to let the Holy Spirit work in your life. So important. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Pray. Obey what He tells us to do, first in His Word and then by His Spirit. It's so important. And let me give us a scripture for that. It's Hosea 13, 3. It says, Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the threshing floor and the smoke out of the chimney. Yes, Lord, let let your Holy Spirit further separate that wheat and that chaff, that spirit in that flesh or that carnal nature. You know, do your work in me, Lord. Let, let my heart be on your threshing floor, Lord. That's my prayer, and that's my prayer for you. All right, so the second level is that wind of the Holy Spirit. The very name for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew is Ruach, R-U-A-C-H, and it means wind. It means breath, that breath of life, rhema. Rhema is the Greek word for when it's a, one of the words for faith, and it means that it's a quickened word. It means when the Holy Spirit breathes life on the Word of God, and that quickens your spirit man. And you know, it's called a revelation. And so when we have rhema, that wind of the Holy Spirit in our life, separating out wheat and chaff, we are being purified. Like I said, it's not condemnation it's conviction the goal is never to destroy the wheat only to purify it so take your medicine it's good medicine if the holy spirit is telling you don't do that then don't do that whatever it is then you need to you need to heed that you need to obey that you need to submit to that that's the right thing to do one of the definitions of carnal means to be emotion ruled. We can camp here for a minute. I believe this is the level of gaining the spirit of self-control, self-control over your emotions. You know, a lot of us struggle in this area, and I believe everyone has a default emotion that they typically default to. For some people, it's to be angry, and they are angry all the time, and they lack impulse control with their anger. And so they need the fruit of the spirit of self-control in that area. I believe that's how we we conquer being carnal and to be spirit-led. You know, we need to live in Romans 8. 
We need to be led of the Spirit and not by our emotions, not be led by that anger. For some people, it may be depression. You know, they may get the blues all the time. And that's not good. That's not what the Lord wants for you. He said he came to give you life and life more abundantly. Being depressed all the time is not abundant life. God wants more for you. And we could go down a whole list of whatever people's default emotions are. But this is the the level where we exercise self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And we do that by getting in the Word. The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. And then the Holy Spirit. That means the level of praying, interceding, worship, and then talking to the Lord, waiting on the Lord. That's that second level of separating the wheat and the chaff. I believe there's then a third level represented by God. This level is so fascinating to me. So you have now the wheat, the chaff has been blown away. You have the wheat left on the threshing floor. It's been through the stone. It's been through the wind. And now there's the wheat and it's almost ready to be made into bread to function in its purpose. But it can't yet because there's some stubborn pieces of chaff that are still clinging to that wheat deep you know those deep places the the places that have been there the longest and this makes me think of really stubborn areas in our life of being carnal that takes years sometimes to get out of us and and it takes a lot of prayer a lot of discipline it takes being a disciple of the Lord for those things to be worked out in us you know I'm reminded recently that I had Uh, made a pecan pie and I was eating some of my pecan pie and there was a little piece of a pecan that had a little piece of the husk of that that shell that had stayed with the pecan that did not separate and when I bit into that pecan it was extremely dry and bitter and it just killed that bite you know it was like repulsive to me in fact i think i got a napkin and spit it out i was like oh it's terrible you know if you've ever bit into a pecan that had a little piece of the husk that chaff attached to it it's extremely bitter and it can ruin something as wonderful and glorious as pecan pie and so that's how it is when we as believers have been Christians for a long time, but we still have some stubborn pieces of chaff, and they may not be visible all the time, but sometimes they are repulsive and bitter when they do come to light. And so this level requires a a more intense level of separation so what they would do on the threshing floor at this point is they would take a large board or sometimes it was a big bowl or trough of some kind and they would make holes all in it kind of like a pegboard they would make holes all in this board they would take jagged pieces of stone or metal or glass anything that was rough and jagged and they would stick it all in this board and then they would take the wheat that had those tiny pieces of chaff clinging to it and they would put it on this board or they would put it in this bowl and they would shake it violently 
to separate the stubborn pieces of chaff. And this board was called a tribulum. And this is where we get the word tribulation. So you may be thinking to yourself, oh, goodness, you know, I don't know if I like this level of what's called tribulation or the tribulum board. You know, I'm, I'm not so sure how I feel about that. But let me read in John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, sometimes when we go through difficult situations, I'm not saying the Lord brings those. That's that's not for me to decide. But when we go through difficult times, we need to draw close to the Lord and allow our hearts to be on the tribulum in the threshing floor so that all of those stubborn little pieces of chaff can be separated out of us. And I believe that if we will embrace that and understand that the goal is not to destroy the wheat, but only to purify it, then the Lord is going to do something amazing in your life. I believe in sanctification. I believe sanctification is not a lot of rules, but it's an issue of your heart. And that when we will put ourselves, you know, metaphorically on the threshing floor, put our heart on the threshing floor. And when we allow Jesus to do that initial separation of chaff from our hearts, that sinful carnal nature from our hearts, it's going to produce purification in our life. And then when we allow the wind of the Holy Spirit, our counselor, to lead and guide us in discipleship, of being a disciple. Salvation is free. That's the first step. You're in the gate, so to speak. But the anointing and discipleship come with a price tag. And if you want to progress as a Christian, as a true believer, as a disciple, then it's going to require something on your part. It's going to require obedience. It's not about always sacrifice, but rather obedience. And the obedience must come from a motivation of love, not obligation. If my children only did things out of obligation and did not love me or vice versa, that would be that would be empty. That would not be fulfilling and satisfying, and, and that would definitely complicate our relationship. And so love has to be that motivator because the Lord really does want to purify us. He said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, and I believe that's the condition of our heart. That is the condition of our heart. And so put yourself metaphorically on the threshing floor. Let the Lord, let Jesus in his word purify your heart. Let the Holy Spirit disciple you and guide you and lead you. And then when things do come seemingly, and I didn't say that as a definite because it says it rains on the just and the unjust. But when you go through tribulations, know that you're not being destroyed, you're only being purified, and that things are being worked out of you that you didn't even know were still clinging to you. And the Lord wants to make you, uh, as the scripture says, a sweet-smelling savor, not bitter. 
He wants you to have the very best, abundant life. This makes me think of when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They wandered in the desert for 40 years because the Lord wanted to take Egypt out of them. And they determined how long they stayed in the wilderness, and they were very stubborn. And so it took a long time, and only two of that generation made it into the promised land. And so this is a process. This is a progression in our walk with the Lord. And we need to let our hearts be that threshing floor. There's application in our personal life with our hearts, but it also has application in the end times as far as the people of God the wheat being God's people and the chaff being those who have rebelled and rejected the Lord. So let me give us some scriptures that maybe drive this point home. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 16 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. And they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts. And in that day, I will make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that doesn't serve God. I believe the Lord is coming back and he is that righteous judge and he he will be a threshing floor. And he will separate out those who who love and serve him and those who have rejected and rebelled against him. In Luke 3, in uh, starting in verse 16, John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier, mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his threshing floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. That's talking about our heart, but it's also talking about the two kinds of people in the world. And so this is such a powerful message. In Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 37, The Lord tells us about a parable. He says, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears to let him hear. The Lord is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And we need to be that people. We need to be the people who love the Lord, who fear the Lord, who worship the Lord, who who obey his word. In Joel 2, 24, the Lord tells us about that what I believe is a latter rain, that end times revival harvest. 
And I believe we are right on the cusp of that harvest. In fact, in Joel 2, verse 21, if we back up a couple of verses, it says this. He says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, you beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, and the tree beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, children of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats will overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore unto you the years that the locust hath eaten, and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And this is going into a whole end times paradigm, but I'm telling you that the threshing floors are about to be full of souls. And I say, put your heart willingly on that threshing floor. Let the Lord do a work in you. I believe that the Lord wants to purify us, not to destroy us, only to purify us. So surrender to that process. And let me just quickly go over that again. That's the word of God represented by that stone. That is the level of Jesus who comes in to make that initial separation inside of our hearts on the on the metaphorical threshing floor. And then let the Lord, as that, thre- as that wheat is thrown up in the air, let the wind of the Holy Spirit separate out that wheat and that chaff in our life, further purifying us through discipleship, through prayer, through intercession, through worship, through studying God's word, diving deeper, letting the Holy Spirit guide and lead you. And that's such a fantastic picture of discipleship. And then, you know, when tribulation or trials or troubles come, know that the Lord will work through that to further purify you. He, he doesn't always bring trouble. You know, I believe the Lord only wants the best thing for us. He wants good things for us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that the Lord has good plans for us, plans to give us a hope and a future. And so I don't believe that the Lord necessarily brings trouble on us. Now, do we live in a fallen world and does trouble come? Yes, it does. Do we sometimes open doors and bring trouble on ourselves? Are we sometimes the beneficiaries of trouble that comes from from our, our land that's been defiled or our ancestors or, you know, whatever we can be? And so we don't understand all of these things, but we know that we have a hope and a future and that God has a good plan for us, that he has a plan to redeem all of mankind. And so if trouble does come your way, know that the Lord is going to use that to further purify us. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I love the analogy of the threshing floor. I've, I've looked at the threshing floor or heard about it in church for years, but and I had heard these things individually, but I didn't realize that this was the process necessarily in these three steps. And then when I saw that they connected to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it was just so powerful. So I just challenge you this week to put your heart on the threshing floor. Let your heart be a threshing floor to separate out the wheat representative of your spirit man, not to destroy it, but to purify it, and then to separate out that chaff, that carnal, sinful 
nature that's bitter that can ruin a good piece of pecan pie. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll be informed next time I post. Thank you again and have a blessed day.